Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg Sound On. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Immigration front and center for Democrats campaigning for president. How will it impact the crowded Democratic field? Plus, more developments on the U.S.-China trade front. The U.S. rushing to ready new China tariffs as companies fear damage. Can President Trump and President Xi calm global markets. We've got an all-star panel to walk us through all of this. Raul Alvilar is a Democratic strategist, former national political director for the Democratic National Committee. John Pence is going to stop by the studio. He's a senior advisor to President Trump's 2020 re-election campaign. He's going to tell us about how the administration is working on Venezuela and Tomorrow, big meeting at the White House with president with the uh, White House officials and representatives from big tech companies surrounding extremism in wake of the two deadly gun massacres. Michael Beckerman is here. He's president and CEO of the Internet Association. He's going to give us a preview on how both political parties and the private sector are going to shape this coming conversation. Lots of policy, lots of politics to get to. Before we get to all of that, I was at the Department of Justice today for a pen and pad briefing with uh, immigration officials. Uh, this uh, following uh, the what is being described as one of the, the, the largest workplace immigration sweep in a decade. Uh, it has drawn scorn from several Democratic presidential candidates. I'm reading now from the Bloomberg Terminal, Mike Dornings reporting, my colleague, quote, Democrats lashed out at the Trump administration over immigration raids in Mississippi that swept up hundreds of food processing workers and left bewildered children returning home from school to find their parents Missing. Joining me here in studio, Raul Avilar. He is a Democratic strategist, former national political director for the Democratic National Committee. What has the reaction been, Raul, from the various presidential campaigns on the on the left? I mean, what happened yesterday is insane. If you uh, don't (laughs) almost get to tears when you see Magdalena crying for her her family, I I don't know what will will get you to do that. But, um, you know, a lot of people uh, on our side are talking about the humanitarian Effort. What what happens to these to these kids on a humanitarian effort? I think what we need to do also is I think these these candidates also need to talk about a real economy that there is out there that these 
immigrants are contributing to. Uh, what is going to happen in Mississippi at those poultry uh, manufacturing companies when there is nobody there to process the chicken and make sure that it's getting to sell? So it goes out to the and so the economy starts getting uh, affected by that. So I think that's something. If if these candidates want to kind of step out a little bit out of the frame. Uh, I think that might be a good uh, conversation for us to start hap having with, with the American people. Senator Elizabeth Warren, Democrat from Massachusetts, now a top-tier Democratic presidential candidate, tweeting out that the arrest, quote, will have devastating effects on the children that are left behind. Kamala Harris, senator from California, saying that the raids are, quote, designed to tear families apart, spread fear, and terrorize communities. That's not what the DOJ is saying, and that's not what the Trump administration is saying either. They argue that this immigration system has been broken for years and that they are trying to deter uh, other countries from facilitating uh, folks migrating here illegally. How do the Democrats not respond? How do the Democrats walk that line? And we saw this back in Detroit the other week when I was there covering the debate, where they were asked point blankly if raids would stop, and 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 I didn't hear a distinct no. You're mm -hmm. you're here now. No, it's not going to. Um, I think. Yes, there has been a problem, and the immigration uh, has been a problem for quite some time, uh, and that's why it's incumbent upon uh, Congress, and it's and we have passed laws uh, with this Democratic uh, House, and have passed it over to to the Senate, to Mitch McConnell, to get uh, passed to go to the to the to the president. Um, and if he's if he's truly wanting to fix this problem, and if Republicans truly want to fix this problem, they need to do it in a bipartisan way, and they need to have and it needs to come from the leader himself to say, this is a problem, let's fix it. Now, yes, we understand that there are people that are coming in that should maybe not be coming in, but they're not coming in at the numbers that, that the administration is talking about. These are people who are coming to this country who are trying to make a better life for themselves, for their children, and to seek asylum, the, most, the majority of them, and to get away from, from countries that so, are bad. So I find this, you know, look, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. and if you're, if you're voting in the Democratic primary, there's so many different candidates running. And mm -hmm. that's why someone like a Castro, for example, the, the former HUD secretary, he's running. He's been really out front arguing perhaps the most progressively. I'm, I'm right. I mean, you would agree with that characterization yes. mm -hmm. uh, on this issue. But other than him, I mean, are, are all the Democrats saying the same thing? I mean, I, I'm not sure if, if the raids are going to continue. I'm not sure. I mean, they're saying they won't separate families the administration argues that they're not trying to separate families. I mean, I, no one is. Where's the gang of eight, yeah, Raul? Well, where's well, the gang of eight? Yeah, well, that that yeah, that's a good question. That's why I mentioned it earlier. Like, the, the, this has to be a bipartisan effort from and the Republicans. It just Republicans. feels like it feels like bipartisan immigration reform is like I don't even. It feels like it's in another another universe, right? Well, another artificial intelligence away. <laughs> you're right, but I mean, and, I mean, and the fact that they're 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 separating families. He's you know the the president is like the family separate in chief that's what they're doing I mean if they didn't want to do it and they really wanted to come together and they really wanted to work to get, uh, to get something done they wouldn't have these raids which are scare tactics that's all they are and and it's it's appealing to their to his base and um, I think when you have it coming from the top it going to, uh, it's not gonna uh, you know this kind of uh, hatred is not gonna is not gonna trickle down to the to to where it needs to go down to the Senate. So he needs to take charge of this. He needs to say let's get something done, and then he needs to say let's get 
that gang of eight, whoever that might be. I don't know. I, I think the issue of abolishing ICE, though, has been, you know, I'm not sure how that plays in, in moderate, just totally getting rid of, of ICE. I'm not sure how that plays in battleground states. Coming yeah. up, more policy and politics. Raul Alvilar is going to stay. We've also got a host of other headlines to get through. John Pence. John Pence is going to stop by. He's a senior advisor to Trump's 2020 re-election. We're going to talk foreign policy with him and Michael Beckerman, president and CEO of the Internet Association, just ahead of that meeting tomorrow that Tech has at the White House. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Friday Eve, folks. Friday Eve. We're almost there. August in Washington, hot and humid. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio. We got a red headline on the Bloomberg Terminal. My colleagues Jenny Leonard, Ian King, and the Jennifer Jacobs reporting that, quote, the White House is holding off on a decision about licenses for U.S. companies to restart business with Huawei Technologies after Beijing says it's halting purchases of U.S. farming goods, according to people familiar with the matter. I'm telling you, Huawei farm news, it never stops. It never, never stops. I, I've been, We've been talking about this story all week, and I'm so grateful to Michael Beckerman for coming in studio with us. He is president and CEO of the Internet Association. Have you heard of them? The Internet Association. They represent not just big tech companies, but also medium-sized, small-sized tech companies. We don't talk enough about them, about the economic clout of, of, of business that's being done on the internet as a whole, outside of major big tech companies like Facebook and whatnot. But anyway, Michael Beckerman is here, and they've been really in the eye of the storm, so to speak, this week, following the two horrific shooting massacres in Ohio and Texas, uh, as the president has suggested, as have Republicans and Democrats, about trying to find ways in which uh, the public and private sector can work together with local law enforcement, federal law enforcement as well to prevent these types of tragedies from happening it's not a single solution it's a multi-pronged approach i think everyone would agree on that front there's not much agreement on these issues but michael thanks for being here uh and there's this big meeting tomorrow at the white house uh what can you tell us about it thanks for having me yeah um you know first and foremost these are incredible tragedies um in el paso and dayton and Unfortunately, this is happening way too much uh, in America, and this is not an Internet uh, problem. This is something that has happened well before the Internet was um, as ubiquitous as it was today. I mean, I remember very well the Columbine shooting back in the 90s, which was well before social media and the Internet. Um, And so it's a terrible, terrible problem we have in this country and something that needs to be addressed. Um, Our, you know, it seems like... um, the, the issues of extremism and violence and, and hate and hate speech. It's an offline problem, and, and, and increasingly it's happening on the Internet too, and it's something that our companies that we, re- we represent are the good actors in the space, and they're working every single day both independently um, amongst themselves as companies with governments to remove extremist content from the Internet and from their sites, remove 
hate speech from their platforms um, and work with law enforcement uh, to help you know stop crimes and to um, make the inter internet a little bit more of a civil place. Uh, you know, but this is definitely an issue that, that all of us need to come together and address. Michael Beckerman is here. He is the president and CEO of the Internet Association. Are you going to be at this meeting tomorrow? I will be there, yes. And is it with is, is it with top administration officials or is it with President Trump as well? It is not with the president, okay. with uh, top officials. So I guess in terms of, and you make so many different points, but let's let's go into one of them, which is ways in which there can be more communication between the public and private sector and government and local law because it is so multifaceted in terms of i mean folks if you're in your car driving home from work i mean you think about it let's say uh you know uh, 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 someone who is trying to commit a crime posts something on uh a, on a social media platform it's not as simple as someone yelling you know a, a threat in an airport for example and they can just immediately be detained so how what are what is like the the one area michael beckerman where tech companies republicans democrats and law enforcement officials agree on has to be improved that is a tangible outcome that could get done so definitely coordination between um, companies amongst themselves and with and with law enforcement officials um, our companies have done great work as it relates to terrorism both domestically and abroad on sharing, uh, hash sharing, sharing images, sharing uh, content of, of uh, terrorists, terrorist groups, identified groups, um, and taking that down often before that kind of content go is going up. In the context of, of the shootings and the violence we've seen here in the United States, it's, it's a lot more complicated. Um, I would say in the physical world you have, if you see something, say something, and that's um, a, a, something of a mantra that we've had. That's interesting because when I when I'm when I'm on the metro or I'm at the airport, you see those ads. You see something, say something. Yeah, how do you you can't really do that on Facebook? Well, you can if you if you're you know you're you know your friends on on social media better than the the companies do or better the than, logarithms than anybody else would. And if you see something that's problematic, um, it's it's worthwhile to reach out to that person or an appropriate situation, reach out to law enforcement. And that has happened on countless occasions of uh, law enforcement or other people being contacted um, that has stopped crimes. Um, our companies have done great work in suicide prevention, both through the platforms um, and, and also stopping other crimes that have happened in the physical world based on um, interactions and things that people have seen on the Internet. Um, but this is a very complicated issue. It's a very difficult issue. Um, and it's something that our companies are committed to making sure the platforms are safe and secure places to protect it for all their users, uh, both of what's happening online, but obviously something when you're talking about um, the horrific events that happened in El Paso and Dayton, that's an offline issue. Um, you know, I, I'd also point out that um, as people are looking to point fingers and everything else, in the United, um, globally, the United States ranks number 15 in the world in social media penetration. What does that mean? Well, you could guess where they rank in in mass shootings. Yeah. So, so there's there's not a. What uh, does social media penetration mean? I, don't, I don't mean even... the amount of people in the population that are on on social media okay. per capita. Yeah. So I think I think what's interesting here, and 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 you and I have talked about this offline, uh, which is essentially, on this particular issue, I think one could objectively make the case that. That the, the tech world, Silicon Valley world, is trying to be part of the solution. I don't think there's as much, I mean, you know, on another day when other headlines, you know, you get a lot more criticism. But on this particular issue, I, it, it, I don't think anyone's, I mean, 
you hear more about oh well this this t social platform didn't take this video down or it was up for for there but in terms of actually reporting potential threats there seems to be a, a trend uh that it was in the obama white house and now in the trump administration of folks understanding that this has to be something that is continuously updated in real time and there has to be a facilitation uh, again between the, the the social media platforms of flagging these threats similarly that exist not online but offline as you mentioned in, in other forms what is another I guess what is a thing that that the the tech world needs to happen whether it be a congressional legislation or uh, from from the federal level to help them even continue continuously on this trend that's that's a, that's a great question. You know, the more information sharing that can be, you know, everybody always talks about companies sharing information with the government, but I think the right. government often needs to do a better job sharing information with, with private companies. What type of information? Uh, information about you know, um, uh, potential threats, um, you know, problem people, things like that. I mean, there's there's things that law enforcement agencies and national security agencies have information about that private companies do not, um, and and as you as you mentioned, you know, in the context of of um, you know, child exploitation in the context of international terrorism and things like that. Our companies have done amazing, amazing work in, in stopping these tragedies from happening or to stopping problematic content from even reaching the Internet. But it also should be noted that there are a lot of bad actors out there, you know, um, companies like 8chan that are out in the, in the press. That's not um, where our member companies are. Member companies are working in a, in a proactive and a productive way with individuals and with governments to solve um, very, very complex issues and um, be good stewards of the platforms that they represent. That's My not true of every single company. Michael Beckerman is here. He's president and CEO of the Internet Association. Uh, I, I know you've got to get on Bloomberg Television, so I just have a, a, one final question for you because you said two words that I want to bold, underline, and tweet out. Information sharing. Because when I cover financial institutions with cyber hacks and whatnot and data breaches, for example, in the financial sector – information sharing. We talk about disclosures from the private sector to the government, but on information sharing, that is something that I consistently hear based on my reporting that the private sector is constantly in need of. What Michael Beckerman is saying as president and CEO of the Internet Association is, hey, if the government knows that there's a, a geographical area, for example, where there is more threats uh, that, are being, that, that are happening or more exploitation that is happening, if the, if they were able to even more hyper uh, monitor those per, those particular accounts, even that it would it would, it would continue to put everybody on the same team. That information sharing, I think, is 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 a really important point that you're making. And there's precedent in other sectors, is there not, uh, on how public and private can work together on information sharing, right? Absolutely. I mean, our, you know, there's a lot of major issues. That our country is facing and the more that we're able to work together both as individuals across party lines as companies um, with each other and with government um, i think we can solve some of these problems but um, it takes it takes folks sometimes um, putting um, you know partisan differences aside and putting Ugh. the blame game aside and, and working together to come up with common sense solutions to solve some of the very big problems that exist in the offline world um, that you know sometimes uh, the internet can help 
but you know, there's not a, a cure-all for any of these things. Right. All right. Michael Beckerman, so generous of your time. Thank Call you. in tomorrow and tell us about how that meeting goes at the White House. President and CEO of the Internet Association, Michael Beckerman, tough job. You are in the middle of everything. Thank you. Uh, so I appreciate you coming in. Coming up, John Pence is here. He's nephew to the vice president. Uh, he also is a senior advisor on President Trump's re-election campaign. We're going to talk Venezuela policy with him. When he was in the administration, he worked on Venezuela policy. Raul Avalar stays. We're going to get their take on the 2020 re-election as well. You can download the Bloomberg Sound on podcasts on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I do want to note Michael Bloomberg. He's the owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent company of Bloomberg News, founded and helps fund Every Town for Gun Safety, a nonprofit that advocates for universal background checks and other violence prevention measures. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Friday, folks. We're almost there. Slow dog days of August. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. And just joining us now in the studio is John Pence. He is a senior advisor to President Trump's 2020 re-election campaign. Uh, he went viral a couple of weeks ago, right, John? Or months ago? Months ago. Months ago. Yeah, it all blurs together, John. I'm like, so I, I kept running into John back on the campaign trail, which also feels like a decade, but also like yesterday ago. Um, mm. But you went viral with this video that you made with your uh, friend from Venezuela. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and now you are out with this new column that's uh, on townhall.com that's uh, headlined, quote, in Venezuela, President Trump is reminding us that America first doesn't mean... America alone. Um, so let's start. First of all, bring us up to speed on precisely what is going on right now in Venezuela as uh, dictator Maduro continues to cling to power despite virtually every Western country uh, and the United States. And by the way, folks, including Speaker Nancy Pelosi and President Trump uh, backing Juan Guaido, who is the uh, what the U.S. says is the democratically elected leader of Venezuela. So stepping back in January, President Trump was the first leader of the of the free world and the first leader of any nation to come out in support of President Juan Guaido, recognizing Juan Guaido as the only legitimate president in Venezuela pursuant to their constitution. From there, the U.S. has continued to sanction uh, the Maduro regime and those who support it. And just this week, President Trump announced a full embargo of uh, the Venezuelan uh, regime's assets and its business dealings. <laughs> and so that, that's what's interesting here is that when you, when you look at how the business assets and dealing and why Venezuela plays such a crucial role uh, regarding the energy sector, really, um, 
Hal, I guess a lot of people want to know at what point will there will the U.S. lose confidence in someone like Juan Guaido to, to assume power? Because I think right now there's this frustration in terms of Maduro just continuously clinging on to power. What other pressure can the U.S. and, and the Western world place on Maduro to, to get him out? Well, this is in the article, America First Doesn't Mean America Alone. As we speak, um, about 60-some world uh, leaders and delegates of of those nations are meeting in Peru with the Lima Group to discuss how to provide humanitarian aid to the Venezuelan people, um, but continue to to pressure uh, the Maduro regime to to leave and and offer free and fair elections for the Venezuelan people. Um, it you know I'll tell you what the vice president and president have been saying, and it's that America stands with the people of Venezuela, and we're going to do so until freedom and democracy is restored. And that those aren't just empty words. We're seeing in action. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the vice president was down in Miami uh, sending off the USNS Comfort, which is bringing humanitarian aid to our friends in Latin America and will eventually arrive in Venezuela to bring needed medical and humanitarian aid to the suffering people there. I was struck by this. Uh, uh, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross uh, he he revealed an economic plan. The, the, I'm not. La, I mean, I'm not making light of a very serious situation. Uh, but the plan's called "quote unquote" reversing socialism. And first of all, I mean, given the political backdrop domestically, interesting choice of words. But it's. But I'm really struck by how they are trying to get more private investment, tax reform, and fewer state controls for Venezuelans. Essentially, because earlier in the program, for example, we're talking about immigration. We'll talk more about it coming up. But it, it, it fostering economic growth in a country like Venezuela, that has a lasting impact, especially when you look at the refugee crisis in mm -hmm. Venezuela, that could have a lasting impact, not only in the region, but also on the United States for decades to come. Absolutely. So uh, I'm of the opinion that when our neighbors in Latin America suffer, we too suffer here. And as the vice president said a couple months back, some of the caravans that are at our southern border are being directly funded by Maduro and a, and a, the um, narco state down there. Um, if those uh, folks and the people of Venezuela have a more viable um, alternative to uh, 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 human trafficking and drugs and illicit activities. Um, it's just going to make a more prosperous and secure Western Hemisphere for all of us. All right. All right. John Penn, stick around. You're going to stick around for us. We're going to talk more about what the, the Trump re-election campaign thinks of the crowded Democratic presidential field. Raul Avalar's here as well. We're going to get his take uh, coming up uh, on that crowded Democratic field. A lot of Democrats running for president. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'll tweet out the link to John's column. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. 
I'm Kevin Cirilli, Washington, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. It's been a long month this week, folks. We have got two political all-stars here uh, with us in studio. Raul Avilar is a Democratic strategist, former national political director for the Democratic National Committee. John Pence is here. He's a senior advisor to President Trump's 2020 re-election campaign. How's the re-election campaign going, John? It's going well. <laughs> it's good to be here, Kevin yeah. Raul. Um, we are uh, here in working with closely with the Republican National Committee, uh, Brad Parscale's campaign manager, and just building a team and, and getting ready for 2020. All right. So what? So size up the left. There's like everybody plus a million people running for president. You looked at what happened in Detroit. What was going through your mind on that debate stage? Sure. Well. Um, you know, watching the debate in Detroit, um, uh, I think the vice president said it, put it well the other day. You know, it's it wasn't Democrats versus moderates; it was socialists versus liberals. Um, it was it was a, a was stage <laughs> a stage that was that was if it was like a seesaw, it was completely up uh, on the right side, and just everyone was falling over to the left. That's right, kind of how I balance it All out. Right, Raul. Well, si I, oh, I got to turn on your mic. Oh. Go ahead. Sound on. Yeah. <laughs> really, uh, well, I, I respectfully disagree with both you and the vice president. Um, but, uh, no, I think what we saw the there. you meaning John. I'm just the host. Well, yeah, sorry. Journalist. John, yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, look, we, we, we are faced with what happened in uh, 16 with the Republicans where they had a number of ca uh, candidates running, yeah. too. So I think it's going to be interesting, but, um, you know, it's very early on. Um, and I think what it is, it's, it's, an, it's a group of people that have a great, amount, uh, uh, great ideas that are presenting them. And I think as we move forward, we have, I think, another 10 more debates to go forward. We're going to have less and less candidates that are going to be actually qualifying to be on, on the stage. So what I think will happen is we'll start to narrow down um, the the, um, the the ideas and be, and they'll be able to present them to the American people. And I know one thing that's true is that that m these candidates, mo like most people in this country, I believe, uh, want to make sure that we have a Democratic president in the White House coming in twenty twenty. I'm a little bitter today. If I'm just gonna, I'm gonna own this. I'm I, I would love to be eating deep-fried Oreos in Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa, at right. the Iowa State Fair. I have fond Sing memories, I have fond memories <laughs> of, of uh, Zombie Burger yep. uh, in You know Des what an elephant ear is? No, well, in, no. in the Indiana State Fairs, it's, it's, I don't even know what's in it, but it's like all sugar and cinnamon and, and dough, like, yes. and then you just fry it. So a heart yes. attack. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's I a mean, heart attack I, on yeah, yeah. a plate, right? Listen, that's <laughs> what I good. love. That's how I was raised. Right. I mean, my uncle has had a hoagie shop for like literally 40 plus years in Delco. It's like the yeah. best hoagies you'll ever have. Yeah. Like I, I, I crave this food. But uh, I want to go to the Iowa State Fair where Governor Steve Bullock, a Democrat from mm. Montana, uh, and I want to get John's take on this, just be him being from, from Indiana, uh, from the farmers, because because we talk so much about trade policy on this program. Here's hmm. Governor Bullock uh, talking and criticizing the president's trade policies and how it impacted farmers. Take a listen. When that farmer in Rippey literally said to me, every time he tweets, we lose hundreds of thousands of dollars. I find this interesting, John, because the Democrats are saying that they, that in order to win the White House, they have to win flyover country. They have to win uh, these battleground states uh, that President Trump was able to flip, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Iowa. Uh, 
So what's the response from the Republicans who say, hey, I mean, the farmers disagree with how the president's negotiating on trade. They haven't deserted them. Uh, but what do you say when you hear a, a quote like that from Governor Bullock? Well, ever since President Trump went down the escalator 2015, he's talked about the forgotten men and women of this country. Um, he is fighting for them. He's fighting for the people in the heartland of this country. So many folks that um, have been taken advantage by countries like China, um, and now we're finally putting America first, and, and a deal with China may be imminent, but we know that this president is going to fight for those forgotten men and women. I, I mean, to that I say I think they they they, they are forgotten. Um, the, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, you know, you, you hear every day from farmers in Iowa and in Missouri and Illinois, southern Illinois, saying that they can't afford to to farm the crops that they're 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 um, planting, like soybeans, because the tariffs on that the president imposed on China is is hurting them. Uh, we see it uh, in in the in the places that you talk about, like in uh, with with the auto industry in Michigan, where these folks are the folks that are supposed to be, as you said, uh, the forgotten people, but Yet he wants to block the border and put up a border wall and not allow folks to come over. And then there's a and then there's a, you know, um, they, they, then they can't uh, build the vehicles that they need to and said they'll be out of business in two weeks. No, I think I think the president wants to keep everyone in this country safe, which is why so many people that are Republicans and um, hopefully some Democrats uh, want stronger border security. But fighting for jobs in this country um, and making sure those jobs aren't shipped overseas is, is synonymous with the Trump Republican agenda of today. And uh, I think the American people, when we go out and, and we, we campaign and see thousands, tens, 30,000 people waiting at these rallies in the middle of nowhere, it shows that they know what the message is here and, and that uh, putting America first is what President Trump does and what he's going to do. You know, there is, you brought up immigration, and, and, and I know this is a divisive topic, and we've, we've been, these are divisive, divisive, it's a divisive season in American politics. Uh, the, the images today of, of, of what's been on social media, of what's been in the news, uh, John Pence, I mean, how, how, is the, you know, how does the administration respond on a day like today, for mm -hmm. example, when so many of these images of, of uh, the, 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 the ICE raid in Mississippi, I mean, how does that, how does that impact uh, the political, I don't even want to say politics because I think it's deeper than that, but how does this, how does this go forward? president two days ago talked about unifying the country after these horrible tragedies horrible horrible shootings i think we all woke up on sunday just <sighs> nauseous yeah. yeah and um <sighs> so one of the things the president said that really struck me is we need to now's the time to set aside destructive partisanship and come together for love and devotion for this country um so. We, it's something that it's something that this week, um, beyond the noise, uh, I believe that people in this country know that this president means what he says and says what he means, and um, we're we're going to continue to to support this administration and in 2020, give them the chance to serve the American people as they have been, 
because they're fighting for our safety, our security, and our prosperity. All right, John Pence, Raul Alvilar, we're going to have to leave it there. Raul Alvilar is the Democratic strategist, former national political director for the Democratic National Committee, and John Pence, senior advisor to President Trump's 2020 re-election campaign. My thanks also to Michael Beckerman, president and CEO of the Internet Association. He's going to be at the White House tomorrow uh, with representatives from tech companies about those policy solutions uh, between the public and the private uh, sector. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Bloomberg on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.